Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. That would be my advice to people is it has to be the thing you want to do above all other things. And you'll, you know, you'll knock through cement walls to, to make it happen. Um, if you're a f- weird, quirky, freaky person, you have a really great shot at having a long career in this business. And, and don't put off having um, a great personal life um, while you're pursuing your career. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. So glad to have you back. This week has been incredible with Patricia Heaton. If you missed episode one, check it out, and this episode two will not disappoint you. It's even better if that's possible. And if you need to reach me, you can do so on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Barry Katz, or on any of the platforms. You can reach me, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube channel, Just follow and send me a message and I'll be honored to get back to you as soon as I can. You can also reach me on barrycats.com. And thank you so much for passing on the podcast to your friends and family and associates and subscribing. It means a lot and I'm very, very grateful for that. Very grateful. And as I think about Patricia Heaton, I think about somebody who started in humble beginnings in the Midwest traveled to New York to try to get where she needed to go, had a lot of stumbles, a lot of issues of not really getting where she wanted to go, a lot of defeats, a lot of days and nights as a singing waitress and other jobs that maybe she wasn't the most proud of. And she came to LA with not a lot of money in her pocket and a dream to continue and to not give up a lot of things starting to line up, but it just didn't click yet. A lot of times doing auditions for big shows, like for Elaine and Seinfeld, but seeing Julie Louis-Dreyfus get it in place of her and having to stand on the sidelines and watch somebody else's career rise faster than your own. But she put the work in, put the time in, never gave up, and made bold choices, none bigger than the ones she made in her test and auditions for Everybody Loves Raymond, which landed her the role over many, many prestigious actresses. 
and then to continue and to get on television, not once with Everybody Loves Raymond, but twice with The Middle. There's only 11 shows in the last 20 years, live action sitcoms, went 210 episodes or more, and this woman has been on two of them. Do you know anybody else on television in comedy that has that distinction? I don't. The accomplishments are incredible. And not only that, after you finish one, you start the next one and it goes another eight, nine years. And now she's starting another show that's launching this week on CBS, Carol's Second Act. Is there any reason to believe that it isn't going to go another multiple amounts of years? The patterns suggest yes. And it's not a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence. It has to be because of how she presents herself to people at the network, at the studio, on the set, her work ethic, how she works with other actors, how generous she is in the writer's room and with the producers, how she works well with others. You have to presume that that is the blueprint for success. Because sitting across from her, that's what I felt. I felt that she was a calming, wonderful presence, but also a leader of men and women. Somebody who I'd want to go into battle with, but I'd also want to sit across from for tea and have a wonderful conversation about life. I really, really felt strongly about Patricia Heaton, that these were elements of her success. And hearing her story, it only confirmed it even more and more. She never gave up, kept moving forward, and professionally and personally raising her family gave it everything she had. And I strongly believe with every fiber of my body that's what's led to her being one of the most successful actresses of our or any generation. And I guarantee if you follow that blueprint of how she is in her personal and professional life, I truly believe that you'll have the possibility of the kind of career that she has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Uh, undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. One of the things that our audience doesn't really take too much time thinking about is the business. I presume that the set of your new show, you model it after yourself, which is calm and I don't want stress. And if anybody on this cast just remotely makes you feel like the hair on the back of your neck, not that you have any, stands up, (laughs) then listen, let's just find someplace else to work. And on Raymond, I'm not saying there wasn't drama with certain people, but the fact was it was a really calm set. 
And one of the things that the audience doesn't understand a lot of times is what happens when there's a renegotiation and what happens when everybody is feeling what their worth is and how they are. And then one person gets an enormous amount of money and the other people are like, okay, well, what about me? And so I know there were times in the renegotiation that were really tough for the cast members of that show and how to figure out and how to make it work. And money has a way of just ruining a lot of things. Yeah, it does. And so in this new show, are you a visionary where you think, okay, I've done two shows that have gone this distance. I'm thinking positive. This is going to go this distance. And do you think far ahead, like, okay, what's going to happen when these people want to renegotiate and how am I going to be and how am I going to make sure that it doesn't cause the tensions that I was in the last time? Or you don't even think about that. You're like, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that yet. On the one hand, I, I'm, I feel like CBS is super supportive of this show and I think we're going to have a nice run um, unless something crazy disastrous happens. Um, and I think, you know, we're living in a different world than we were in with Raymond. And there's the the pie is getting cut into smaller and smaller pieces, and and all these different shows are there. And so it's financially, it's not the same as it used to be. And that's in every business all around the the country and the world. Actually, uh, I, when I used to run the Xerox machine at People Magazine, it was a Time <laughs> Warner company, and man, the you know we'd put the magazine to bed on a Tuesday night. They would order food for everyone because we'd be there till three in the morning. And they'd have cars come and take you home from work. You know that the, the, the sedans would just line up in front of the Time Warner building in New York. Um, they used to have what they call a pour any occasion for a poor, which means you, there would be champagne and food in the conference room for somebody's birthday or F. Murray Abraham won the Oscar and he came and brought it in because they had done a story on it. So there's always like, oh, there's a poor in the conference room. There was like money just being thrown around. And that, that day, you know, that time has changed now. And there's so much competition out there. So it's a little tougher. Um, I know it's always the awkward thing to be doing. It was awkward on Raymond because Ray was a producer and also our fellow actor but of course you know he was carrying that show and he was um, in the writer's room I don't know how he did it um, writing and and being in there and being in editing and the whole thing and uh, and and he, this was his first real acting gig so it was a lot on his plate so he deserves everything he got and Phil deserves everything he got um, I think there is a point with your ensemble that if, if you're all acting like a family and being treated like a family that, you know, you, they deserve a little bit too. And a lot of it comes from the network and the studio is usually who you're battling for these things. And it's such a game. It's such a game. I just dislike it so much um, because we, you, you know where you're going to end up. Like everybody has a number that they're going to give you and they try not to get to that number. And it's so awful because it just creates such ill will because they say awful things to you. You know, it's just bizarre. It's a bizarre business. But on the other hand, it's kind of what I love about this business because there's drama all the time. <laughs> and just you, you go through experiences that you think, 
even if they're horrible. I had a um, early early days in L.A. I had a, I went in to read for a movie, and the casting director said to me, "Let me be honest with you. We're looking for a very attractive actress for this part." Oh my god! And at that point, I had I really knew who I was as a person, and my identity did not lay in being an actor or any of that. And I I said to her, "I guess you'd have to be." tall and blonde and stupid to play this part and she said it doesn't have to be blonde (laughs) and she wasn't trying to make a joke and so (laughs) but I remember thinking afterwards I cannot believe that someone could say that to my face like in what other business would this happen no other business would this happen that's why I'm so glad I'm in this business I, I, I was glad I experienced that because it was so fascinating that that someone could say that to a person and i think all the weird stuff that goes on in our business um is just well i wouldn't want to be anywhere else i remember when i was flying from new york to la for the first time and the book i read was final cut about chimino making heaven's gate and how crazy that was and then the other one I um, was reading, it's the one about David Begelman, who, who like embezzled all this money. He was a producer. And I was reading those on the plane when I flew to LA and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the business I want to be in. I want like a front row seat to this madness. How fun. Because, you know, life is short and it is, it, it might, this business might be difficult, but it is never dull. It also, the, the challenges of, trying to get an acting job, trying to get a movie off the ground, trying to get a TV show off the ground. It's so difficult. You know, whilst I'm doing this show, I'm out pitching other shows with my company. And you just, you know, oh, Fox passed, HBO passed, so-and-so doesn't want to hear the pitch. And instead of letting that get me down, it's, first of all, it's just, I now understand that's just the way it works. Um, And sometimes things take a really long time. But it also... I enjoy a challenge. I mean, maybe that's the Irish in me, but it's like if someone says no to me, it was like trying to get into Bill Esper's class. I'm like, oh, really? Let, we'll, we'll just see about that. And you just keep at it. And when I think about movies like uh, The Revenant, which took a long time to even get into production, years and years and years, that script, and then the production was such a nightmare, and it was an incredible movie. And I'm always encouraged when I see really great projects and then read the history and see what the writers and producers went through to get it made. Like you just have to have an iron stomach in this business to keep going. You have to really want to do it. And you have to really want to tell stories. And I guess that's that's what's kept me going. And thank God I've been somewhat successful in this particular area. But I feel like there's still a lot more I, I want to do. And that's a good thing because, um, you know, it's easy when you get older to lose your will and to want to kind of just sit back and relax and as we talked about earlier i think you know life is very short and i experienced that very early on in my own life and so i mean you know god willing god willing i have 20 good years left and i know how fast 20 years goes by so i just there's no time to waste so i'm really excited that i'm at this point in my career have so much opportunity ahead of me i'd love to know 
what it was like in the household and what was your first inspiration to getting in this business? Was it shows that you watched? Was it plays at the church? Because you had said that the church was a big part of things, but where was the first thought, I want to be in show business? That actual thought did not happen until college. I was just doing it. I just did it. I automatically would learn a song and I'd get up and I'd go to Sister Delrina and say, um, I have a song I'd like to present to the class. Sister Delrina. <laughs> At St. Raphael's Parish School. And, um, you know, so there wasn't, uh, uh, but it's, it's one thing to be in your school plays and to be singing and dancing and writing plays and putting them on. And it, it's another thing to declare to the world, I'm actually going to pursue this as a career without having anybody in your family know how to do it or encouraging you to do it. Um, in fact, you know, my dad, God rest his soul, was was not happy about me going to New York. What's surprising about that is he was at the top of his profession as a sports writer mm -hmm. in Ohio. So mm -hmm. he had made it through so many people to get to where he was. Yeah. And so I would think that he would know that anything was possible for you. You know, he was just a, a World War II guy who just you know, was wanted security for his kids. And, and there was no understanding of what the show business entailed. And I didn't know either. I had no idea how to go about it. So it, you're in college, so what was it the thing that happened that inspired I was just super you? depressed about, I remember particularly, I was doing a, a, an assignment for the journalism class, and I interviewed some fraternity guy about what float they were putting together for Greek Week. And I remember sitting across the table from him just thinking, this guy is so dull. Like, he should be interviewing me. I'm so much more interesting than he is. And I think that's when I started thinking, I have just got to get on the other side of this microphone. And uh, my brother happened to be living in New York by the time I graduated from college, so I just went and moved with him, in with him, and just started figuring it out. If, Gosh, I think about my own kids. If one of them just wanted to go move to New York and had no money and just, I, I don't know how I would feel about it. So I understand my dad, my, my dad gave me 800 bucks and said, you know, here you go. And um, I, you know, I, I, a girlfriend from high school, we met in, we, we, she, she got a truck and she took some of her furniture from her, her bedroom growing up and she drove to New York and I flew to New York and we met up in Midtown and just started plugging away it's it's crazy actually that's not not the way you can do it anymore i don't think hey everybody i hope you're enjoying this episode as much as i am if you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business that's why i'm offering you my blueprint for success a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day 
instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Okay. And you just tell me what comes to mind. It yeah. could be a name, a thing, or could be a sentence, could be a story, whatever it is. Tony Shaloub. I, Tony and my husband were, were friends when my husband and I started dating. And I just, you know, remember talking to Tony about my husband because I wasn't sure about him. And um, they say a woman knows in five minutes of meeting somebody if they're going to be with them. Uh, my husband and I are very difficult people. I think it's I, 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 um, both He's of us are got that English accent. Every well, that's that really buys a lot of <laughs> real estate. The accent. If you guys are ever you know looking to try to move in on someone, um, but um, and then you know Tony was the best man at our wedding, and. It, I mean, the wedding was both my husband and I were very freaked out about getting married. We were just very self-involved actors, and we both knew we were both in our 30s. We needed to settle down. And it was just kind of like, well, I guess it's you. And we were both just freaked out. I remember crying all the way down the aisle, and my friends just going like, oh, it was such an emotional ceremony. You guys were so, you were crying. And I didn't tell anybody yet, because I was crying because I thought I was making the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> Um, and here we are almost 30 years later with four grown sons. Yeah. Awesome. Dick Van Dyke. Oh, my gosh. Well, I remember in second grade going to see Mary Poppins with my friend Patty O'Neill, uh, who was also in Sister Delrina's class with me. <laughs> and, you know, my neighborhood gal pals and I sang all the songs from Mary Poppins um, on the, when we were swinging on the swings. And... To be sitting next to Dick Van Dyke in a makeup chair on the middle, playing Name That movie theme with him, where I just would pull up movie themes on my I, on my phone and play them, and, and Dick would have to guess what movie it was from. Uh, part of me stood outside of myself and thought, oh my gosh. You know, you think, oh, you've done everything in this business, and then you get to work with Dick Van Dyke, a childhood hero, and and you're sitting with him like he's your pal and your peer. And as again, that's why I said, um, I can't believe I'm sitting here in this at this point in my life with all these wonderful things. And um, it's just, it's such an exciting business, you know, whether you're down or whether you're up, it's just exciting. Doris Roberts. And Doris, of course, played Marie Barone. And she, I've met a number of <clears throat> actresses like Doris. Linda Lavin was, is one of my dearest friends. And Catherine Hellman played my mom on Raymond. And there, there's a certain generation of actresses who just have done it all and seen it all. And they're kind of like these broads, even though they're all very elegant women. They're just tough show business women. And, and they've had families and they've been through it all and done it all. And I completely admire them. And they were all gracious and mentoring to me. And I'm hoping that I can be that for other young actors and actresses. David Duchovny. <laughs> so funny. Before X-Files, David and I were in a movie with Charles Grodin and Bonnie Hunt called Beethoven, a family movie about a St. Bernard dog. And um, he and I played husband and wife, sort of a villainous couple. 
And uh, he's such a fascinating guy, very educated, very smart. We had some very lively debates when we were working together because <clears throat> we come from very different philosophical viewpoints. And um, he was really so much fun to work with. And we got to do a crazy scene where the, the dog drags us in our lawn chairs and flips us over a fence and drags us down the street. It was really a blast to be sitting strapped into a chair, hanging upside down for a while with, with David. The difference between playing a mother on television and being a mother in real life. Well, when you play a mother on television, people bring you water and snacks <laughs> and they have a chair for you and they drive you from here to there and they applaud everything and they have clothes for you and hair and makeup and you look great and get paid a lot of money. And it's actually the opposite at home where you have to bring everybody else food and water and you have to drive everybody everywhere and you have to get their clothes and make comb their hair and, and you get no applause. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody. And I wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast, starting with Aqua True. If you haven't bought this countertop water purification system, you have to do so. It's incredible. It turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly. It saves you thousands and thousands of dollars. It gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have in your trash. Thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these. Everybody loves it. Not one complaint. It's incredible. I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, you'll immediately get a $100 discount, a $100 discount, and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the Air Doctor. I don't know what the air inside your house is like but the air inside my house it feels heavy at times before I got this product and now it got rid of all the bad air in my house the dust the pet hair the pollen it just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home and for me when I got this product it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house and it's normally $600 and you can check Amazon right now and you'll see but for all of you listening today, I can offer you $300 off. $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry, and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. Feminist. I have to tell you this. Okay, tell me this. So I'm in a supermarket, you know, you're in line. The woman turns around, she has a chain, and on the chain is written feminist. Mm -hmm. And the naive human being that I am looks at her and says, Oh, can I ask you a question? She said, Sure, what is it? I said, I said, What's the male version of feminist? And she looked at me and she said, feminist <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah um i think my relationship with feminism you know it depends on your definition of feminism so i'm catholic and i'm pro-life so a lot of people would say i can't be a feminist 
Um, what do you say? I think you, it's the only position, pro-life is the only position to take for a feminist because in order to gain, for you to have to shed another human being's blood to gain your freedom is just you're moving your oppression onto somebody else. That's not really freedom. So, um, so I, I think people in this town have a big problem with that. Obviously you have five very independent men in your life and right. your nuclear family. Right. Presumably they don't all take the same stance you do. Is that make Thanksgiving dinner tough? No, um, I have one son who um, tends to be oppositional about things, uh, which does make for lively conversation. And uh, I think it's good for kids to have to kind of battle their parents and sharpen their arguments or lose the arguments or however it turns out. But um, yeah, so, uh, and they're, they're boys and they're in their 20s, so they're just trying to figure everything out right now. Done over 300 episodes. Yeah. I've never talked about pro-life or how that's because so, there's nobody pro-life in this industry. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm your first one, I am sure. Is there somebody, let's pretend this room is clear and mm -hmm. it's, no one knows what's happening in this room. Mm -hmm. And is there any woman that could sit down in this chair who's experienced maybe something horrible mm -hmm. that happened to mm -hmm. them? Yeah and is now carrying a child. Is right. there anything that that woman could say to you with the doors closed that yeah. would make you say, I understand how you feel and I... I totally understand how people feel. It's not about whether you understand or not. It's just science tells us that this is a developing human being and calling it a fetus doesn't make it not human. Just as in calling a child a toddler, doesn't make that kid not human or an infant or a teenager, although I think you could argue that teenagers are not human. <laughs> um, uh, so, so I have compassion and many of my friends have had abortions. Got it, so if the woman was here and nobody was in this room between mm. both of you and she said, look, this man took me against my will. Right. I don't feel like this is a child that right. I want you could still make a positive argument about why. That it might be a child that someone else would want. As I said, I have friends who've had abortions and they've, you know, most of them have not great experiences or have regret about it. But so there's two different things. There's many different areas you can talk about the pro-life situation. And part of it is the, the, the situations that women face in unplanned pregnancies. Um, and then what the world tells them about that. And, and so much, I think the world tells women that they're going to be limited by their child. And yes, there are certain sacrifices you make when you have a child, but it is a, a human being. And um, I found that when I first became pregnant, it created an actually very fierce person. A fierce persona came out that was not present before because now you have your child who you want to protect and um, who uh, uh, you would do anything for. And it takes the focus off yourself 
And the minute you take the focus off yourself, it's interesting how many things start opening up. And I was better at my at acting for a number of reasons, because having a child opens up a chamber in your heart that can only be unlocked by having a child. And when I went to work, I had this whole new set of emotions to draw upon playing a mother. And it also made me be very efficient in my work because once I left rehearsal, I had no time to work on anything because I had four kids to go home and take care of. So I became really good at compartmentalizing and getting a lot of different things done. It just made me a much stronger, more versatile, fierce person because I had children, if that makes sense. And it made me understand what an incredible gift it is to be able to have a human being developing inside of you. I mean, I can't explain to you guys or expect you to understand what it feels like, but I remember the first time I felt kind of, it felt like there was a butterfly in my stomach and I thought, oh, they're moving. And you could see as the pregnancy progressed, you could see his, you know, Sam's foot like pressing against my stomach and kind of moving along. You actually see the footprint. It's insane and it's so incredible that we get this honor of being able to produce another human being. So, um, you know, it's hard to understand unless it's happened to you. And it is a scary thing. It's no doubt. My husband and I were trying to get pregnant when I got pregnant and I was still like shocked and a little bit frightened because I had no idea what was coming. And I think that's for so many women, that's part of what the issue is. It's so frightening and they have no idea what it's going to be like. So there's, it's almost a little bit hard to plan for it emotionally because you don't know what it's going to be like. But, you know, and I think just overall, you know, there's a spiritual aspect to that, of course, but I found in, in my acting, there's a huge spiritual component for me because you get to create just as as you're pregnant and you're sort of creating this human being as an actor you're creating a, a character who's a human being and you know you're, you get to participate in this divine creation you know god is is a, a creator and he breathes life into all of us and we get to do that with these characters and i find a huge spiritual connection for me um, sometimes it's been in, in, in theater experiences, it's been almost an out of body experience being able to, um, create characters. And, and I think what really helped me when I f came out to California is I had an experience at an orphanage in Mexico in the first year I was, uh, in Los Angeles and we were laying a lawn and threw a party for the kids and fixed the sewage system and whatever and when I came back to LA and I was living in my cousin's girlfriend's mother's back bedroom in West Hollywood and at that point acting was the only thing that mattered to me and I, I was like if I, I would rather kill myself than go back to Ohio not having been successful and after I went to this orphanage I just had this incredible peace that I had never felt before and I realized, oh, I don't actually have to do acting. I can go back to Mexico and work at that orphanage and I would be perfectly happy. And I just had a moment there where I let go of the whole acting thing and I said to God, you know what, you can have the acting if you want it. Uh, just tell me, if you want me to go to Mexico, make it really clear. I'm starting to get some auditions so I'm gonna keep auditioning but if you want me to do it, go in a different direction, just shut down the auditioning. 
and actually the jobs just really started coming and the auditions started coming. I started booking things. And it was almost like I had to, and I think this is the healthiest way to be in this business, is you have to have some detachment from it and you can't have your identity in it. That's the main thing. Your identity cannot be in your success because in this town, it's so brutal. Like you're successful one minute and then minutes later, especially with social media, the next person's coming in and nobody, nobody's career last that long or you don't stay on top for that long and so you really have to know who you are without being an actor or without being successful or without getting um, adoration from people and I think that's the thing I have to work on daily because it's about wrangling your ego or just submitting your you know your um, your ego um, is to you could always look around and see who's doing better than you and you have to learn not to be resentful or jealous or envious and you have to be joyful for other people's successes and know that whether you're working or not working you're a person of value so that is a lesson that i have to learn over and over again every day and you know it's easy to be dissatisfied even where i am right now it's um i think well you know when i started out i always thought oh we'd be in movies and that's not my career at all. It's been all television. And so there's almost, I mean, it sounds horrible to say, but to be perfectly honest, when I signed up for the show, which I'm in love with and love the character and love the concept, part of me was like, I guess, I guess I'm a TV person. I guess this is going to cement that I'm a TV person. And there was part of me that had to wrestle with that a little bit. Now, I think for me, getting older is just going to continue to open doors for me. And when you think of older actors who were able to go on to do things in movies and um, and older actresses, that you know, there's still that possibility there, which is great. And I'm still super, I'm super grateful for the career I've had because, frankly, everybody's coming to TV now. Film is disappearing. Um, you know, you you'll only go to the theaters now to see Star Wars or Quentin Tarantino or the Scorsese, the Irishman, the Raisin. Um, you know, you want to go to the movie theater to see the big ones. Um, but everything else is on TV. So it's it's all great, but it's never that completely simple. And I feel like I am constantly wrestling with my ego to never let it take over, to never let it sully anything that's happening, because it's only and all good things that are happening, you know, but there is that human part of you that like maybe is the grass greener on the other side or what's this person doing or why did they get that or whatever. So it's, it's, you know, it's a constant struggle, but that's also what's great about this business is it challenges you in a really difficult way to, to grow and try to be a better person. I mean, hopefully that's what you're trying to do. And, and maybe, you know, the career stuff is second or the career stuff is the way that you're trying to be a better person is helping you grow is giving you challenges and so i think that's one of the most important things the focus isn't the career the career is the thing that helps you focus on being a better person hopefully hey everybody let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success it's a project i've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, 
or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Ray Romano. Um, I just saw Ray two weeks ago. Um, he has an annual Labor Day party that he and his wife Anna graciously host almost every year when he isn't busy working with <laughs> Martin Scorsese. <laughs> um, and um, I just love Ray. And I remember thinking as I'm doing this Carol second act and how hard it is to keep all the balls in the air with reading the script notes and reading the outline notes and reading the story area notes and seeing the different drafts of everything coming through and, and trying to do the show at the same time. I said to him at the party, how did you do it? I don't know how you did it, because um, this is hard to keep all of this going and to be an exec producer and be acting and be carrying the show. And so I'm even more impressed with him than I've already been all these years, because he's quite a humble guy and very talented and just, you know, he's the opposite of being boastful. He's constantly denigrating himself, you know? And I think, you know, I understand that's a way to also protect yourself in case you're not that good, that you were the first one to say it. But um, and it was kind of, it's always been kind of a running joke that um, Ray always would find like the, you know, we'd finally get a good time slot or we'd finally get a good review. And, you know, he always found like the, the dark underbelly of that situation. So, you know, he, he kept everybody grounded, but he's just the most wonderful guy and so talented. I'm so happy for all of his success and, it's, and how he was able to branch out. Awesome. Your proudest moment in show business. Um, I, I think it probably was the first Emmy. Um, I, gosh, just that whole week leading up to it and afterwards, you know, was just a high that I think other than the birth of my children, nothing compared to that. But what's really interesting is so Cher gives me the Emmy and then I, you know, <clears throat> get it and I give my little speech, whatever. And I'm just, you know, just floating. And the first person I see, I see backstage is um, David Schwimmer is standing there. Well, years ago, I worked at this little Argentinian-Italian restaurant on 73rd and Columbus in New York called La Tablita. And my friend Merrill, uh, a waitress there, had told me that David Schwimmer used to be a waiter at this restaurant. And, and so when I walked off and I've got my Emmy fresh in my hand and I see D David Schwimmer and I walk up to him and I go, La Tablita restaurant. And he looked at me and he said, what? <laughs> and I said, I used to work at La Tablita. And he said, I I'm very happy for you. And I said, <laughs> you worked there, right? And he said, no. I said, it's a restaurant in New York. 
I've never worked in a restaurant in New York in my life. And I was like, <laughs> that's so interesting. I'm sitting here holding an Emmy, and yet I feel like a big asshole. <laughs> this was minutes after I won. And I feel like it's like God's like great joke of saying, okay, you can have 60 seconds of glory, but we're going to take it away from you in just a moment. <laughs> and even later that night, I'm sitting at a table at the governor's ball or whatever next to my agent. And another agent from our, my agency walks over and says hi to my agent. And my agent says, you know, Doug, whatever his name was, this is uh, Patricia Heaton. And the agent shakes my hand and says, hi, what do you do? Oh my and the, and the God. Emmy was sitting on the table and I pointed to it and I said, I win Emmys. <laughs> and I was like, wow, twice in one night right after I won. <laughs> and it just, you know, and again, as I said, like I love about this business is you can be so on cloud nine and within not even minutes, seconds, there's something that can happen to just bring you right back down, which I think is just the most hilarious and wonderful and important thing that you always have to know that this business is just a balloon of hot air that can pop at any minute and you can't put any stock in it whatsoever. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. Mm. Biggest disappointment. Well, I remember when I was auditioning <clears throat> for things and there was a TV movie and they were looking for a girl who was kind of a drug addict and she was coming back, her mom wanted her to come back home or something. And I remember like starving myself and then going in and giving a, one of the best auditions of my life and I knew it was great. I knew because they were so, I heard people like the director and producers gasp at one point. And this is just in a small room, you know. And, um, and then they went with a name person and I remember getting the news and crying a little bit because you've just, part of it is you've put, invested so much in it that you almost have to do a little grieving because a little part of you has died, right, when you don't get it. But I also found out then that I was pregnant with my first son right after that, and I had been starving myself. And so it was this interesting thing of, of grieving and then immediately finding out I was pregnant and then going out and to Johnny Rockets and having like a triple burger and a malt <laughs> and a fries and everything. So it was, I had this sort of real letdown on the one hand and, and moments later had, you know, uh, this incredible news, wonderful and scary news about being pregnant. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's so many disappointments on a daily basis that disappointment is, isn't even a thing anymore. Last question. Okay. What advice do you have for the young person growing up in the small town mm -hmm. in the Midwest or mm -hmm. wherever they are in the world and they're going to church groups and their yeah. parents don't endorse uh, what they want to do and maybe they went through a tragedy and how do they fight through all that and all the disappointments and set their sights on their goals and get to the point where they can have the kind of amazing, extraordinary career that you've had? What, what I've found in talking to people is that the person who is meant to be in this business will be in it because there's nothing else they can do and they cannot stop themselves from doing it. And it doesn't matter what's in their way, they have to do it. 
and that's the way it was with me and that's the way it is with many of the people that I've come across is there was no and not for a minute another uh, uh, an instance where they thought I'm going to go back to school and do something else. I mean, very few people. It's it's do or die. You you can't, and a lot of actors will give you this advice. If there's anything else that you enjoy doing as much or more than acting, go do that other thing. But the people I've seen um, uh, come through have all had that drive that that's just, there's no question that they're just going to keep pursuing it. And it can take a long time. And the other thing I've noticed, the business has changed to the point where if you're sort of a really awkward person in, in grade school and high school and weird and you don't fit in and you don't have a body type that's appreciated, um, you're probably going to have a great career in show business. I found that more and more it's the character actors that just are fascinating. And um, I think that's really exciting to see that it's not about beauty or being handsome. Um, so I think that, you know, I would tell anybody, don't think that you have to be a model to be in the show business. In fact, the opposite is probably more true, that if you're a character actor, you're going to have a career and it's going, a career that's going to last forever because you never age out of being a character actor. You only become more of a character actor. And um, also that, and, and a lot of actors say this, if there's anything you enjoy um, as much or more than acting, go, then go pursue that because there's too many disappointments uh, in this business. I would also say though, don't, as you're pursuing this, don't think you can't have a family and a steady home life. Like don't think you have to put off getting married or having kids in order to have a career. Um, my husband and I often lament that we hadn't met sooner because we thought we think maybe we would have had six kids instead of just four. So, um, and not everybody's, you know, predisposed to that kind of thinking. I mean, I'm, I come from a, a, you know, a family of five Irish Catholic. My mother was one of 15. It's just to me normal that you have a lot of kids. And, um, I actually have like a hundred first cousins on my mom's side. Uh, I ran into one of them at a, at a restaurant in Studio City. Guy came up to me and said, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think we're second cousins. <laughs> and I said, it's, there's a really good chance of it, but do you have any proof? And he pulled out a picture, and he said, this is my grandpa Bud. And I said, oh, yeah, that's my uncle Bud. Oh, hey, cuz, how you doing? Um, so, um, you know, don't put off having a life. And it also doesn't hurt to have a subset of skills that can help keep you afloat when you are not working as an actor. So, I mean, I, you know, I was able to summarize depositions for a, a, quite a few years when I first moved to LA. Um, and you, you weren't out being seen in a restaurant as a waiter. You could stay at home, do your work at any hour of the day or night. And it was a perfect survival job to help pay the bills while I was, you know, getting a gig here or there. So, um, so that would be my advice to people is it has to be the thing you want to do above all other things. And you'll, you know, you'll knock through cement walls to, to make it happen. Um, if you're a f weird, quirky, freaky person you have a really great shot at having a long career in this business and and don't put off having um a great personal life um while you're pursuing your career patricia eaton <laughs>
You are a rock star. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just amazing. I can't believe I got the front row seat. Oh, no. <laughs> and I can assure you, I don't know too many people are doing better than you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you don't okay. have to look around anymore. Okay, good. Thank you. So great. So inspirational. Oh, thank I'm you. I'm so grateful that you well, took the time. this was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. And if I don't know my lines this week, this will be why. It's my fault. <laughs> it's your okay. fault. All right. <laughs> but don't feel too bad. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on DK Lee, August 8th, 2019. Heading reads, first time listener who came away intrigued, five stars. And they wrote, as someone who wants to get into the world of PR, I listened to the interview with Michael Levine, who has worked with a lot of A-listers in politics and entertainment. Levine bringing up his dyslexia and humble economic origins intrigued me because I like hearing about the obstacles that others overcame to accomplish their goals. Levine had a notable soundbite that summed up the essence of successful PR. Quote, to be credible, you have to be visible, unquote. And in order to be visible, you have to tell a story that's compelling or intriguing. I also appreciate the valuable advice of telling young people to get outside the house and meet people and build connections. Not only is this critical for PR marketing, but it also applies across the entire spectrum of media fields. Wow. Great, great comment. Thank you, DK Lee. You are a winner. And that wraps up our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Richard Gladstein. You know, every director that you like or you don't like, they were a first-time director once. Like, it actually does happen. 
It's like your virginity. You're going to lose your virginity. It's going to happen, right? Some people it happens at 15. Some people it happens at 25. And like every director was a first-time director. Every writer was a first-time. Every producer was a first-time producer. Like, so when you think it's not going to happen, you realize that it has happened for every one of those people. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. Cause you're going for Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.